0: Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Welcome back. Well, we're number one in a new international study by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control. Unfortunately, it is nothing to be proud of. On the contrary, the CDIC study says Canada has the highest death rate among wealthy nations for drunk driving. 34% of motor vehicle deaths here are alcohol-related, and that is higher than the rate in the U.S., New Zealand, Australia, Slovenia, and France. And this is the case despite nearly constant messaging surrounding drinking and driving. Mad Canada says random roadside testing is one possible solution, but does that violate our civil liberties? On the line, I have Professor Robert Solomon, who is the Director of Legal Policy at MAD Canada, and Patrick Metzler, who is a criminal defense lawyer. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Okay, let's let's start with Professor Solomon. Uh, Why is this a good idea, and how would it provide a solution to the problem?
2: Well, we've known for about... 30 years that Canada has one of the world's worst records among developed countries in terms of impairment-related crash death. And while things have improved, impaired driving uh, remains the number one criminal cause of death in our country. Sadly, it takes a disproportionate toll of young people. So those between 15 and 24 represent 13.7% of the population, but 33% of the alcohol-related traffic fatalities. Now, what we know is that countries around the world face these problems, and they introduced two measures. One, they lowered the blood alcohol level from 0.8 to 0.5, and they introduced mandatory breath screening. Uh, now, the evidence that's supported from studies around the world indicate that random breath testing is the single most effective way of reducing uh, impairment-related crash deaths.
1: So, that General, that means just they stop anybody at any time and you have to give that breath test?
2: Well, right now, under common law and statutes in most provinces, police have the right to stop any vehicle, uh, uh, to ask for ownership, license, and insurance, and ask questions about sobriety. Remember, driving is not a right in this country. It is a, it is a licensed, heavily regulated activity occurring on public roads, and impaired driving is the number one criminal cause of death in this country when you think of of mandatory breast screening think of the screening that goes on in airports over a hundred million people are screened at airports fifty million people are screened at our borders you can't get into a courtroom or most government buildings without being subject to random screening and by the way the ontario court of appeal and other courts have upheld the constitutionality of random screening of people entering courtrooms now when i look at this if random screening is good enough to protect lawyers and judges from an extremely remote risk of violence in courtrooms it seems to me that it's also justifiable in <coughs> terms of canada's number one criminal cause of death now this opinion isn't mine alone uh, we sought the opinion of Peter Hogg, Canada's premier constitutional law scholar, and he concurred. Okay, that-
1: let's uh, let's uh, hear a response from Patrick Metzler.
2: Uh, well, I mean, it's difficult to disagree with what Professor
3: Solomon's saying. I mean, I've read his papers, and uh, I was a crown attorney for many years before I became a defense lawyer, and. Really, when I started, the message was going out, we thought, strong and firm about the dangers of drinking and driving, and as Professor Solomon notes uh, and observes, that uh, the numbers are still alarmingly high, and I'm, I'm somewhat surprised that random breath testing uh, hasn't been implemented, or at least more efforts to try and institute it in Canada, because as Professor Solomon has said, in other countries where it has been, it's been accepted, and these are democracies, and they seem to be uh, very successful in reducing impairment and even saving costs in the end of court costs, et cetera. So, doesn't,
1: doesn't it, I mean, there is an argument that it uh, violates our civil liberties.
3: Well, there is that argument, and certainly as Canadians, we have a right against unreasonable search and seizure and against arbitrary detention But as well, and the courts have noted this time and time again, driving is a privilege. It's not a right. And a lot of obligations come with that privilege. And I believe that if, I know the Conservatives at one point were trying to get this legislation going, I believe fairly strongly that this would pass constitutional muster in Canada. As Professor Solomon notes, as a driver, you're subject to a number of random tests already uh, for uh, highway safety, road safety under the Highway Traffic Act. And this really isn't a very, if at all, a departure from that.
1: What about the resources, Professor Solomon? Is that the best way to deploy our resources, that we're, go- we're going to have cops out there doing this and stopping a lot of sober people, presumably?
2: Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you asked, asked me that. Uh, random breath testing is the single most cost-effective impaired driving countermeasure. That's the conclusion of every study done by every scientific and, and, and traffic safety organization around the world. It is the cheapest, easiest way of saving the most lives. When Ireland introduced random breath testing in 2006, uh, it had 400 traffic fatalities a year. By, by 2015, that number had fallen to 165. Impaired driving charges fell from 18,000 to 8,000. Impaired driving it succeeds by deterring individuals, and the message from the impa- you know, from the countries that have introduced it, uh, is that if people believe that it's possible for them to be stopped and asked for a breath sample, rates of impaired driving plummet. My guess is that. Random breath testing would reduce traffic deaths and injuries in Canada by about 20%.
1: Now, uh, do you have any idea of the level of resources that would be required to make it uh, a real threat to people?
2: Uh, We know from studies that you have to test about one-third of the licensed drivers per year to have a significant deterrent impact from random breath testing. This is the result of the Australian studies, which have had random breath testing for 35 years, which means we'd have to stop about 7 million people. But we already do that. If you look at the, if you look at the statistics, and they're not great, I must admit, of the number of people stopped at sobriety checkpoints in Canada every year, it's about 7 million. So rather than stopping you, as they do, and saying, can I see your license, your insurance, your ownership, and sticking the officer sticking his head in the window to, to detect the telltale sign of alcohol, what they do at random breath tests is they they pull you over, just like a sobriety, breath, uh, a sobriety checkpoint in Canada now, and say, blow. I went through one of these in Australia when I was with my colleagues, my research colleagues, the test itself takes 40 seconds. You're sitting in your car, belted, and the whole process from beginning to end takes about a minute and a half. So, what,
1: what it's about not any more
2: inconvenient.
1: What about the Peel judge who threw out a breathalyzer test, calling it a faulty test?
2: Well, you know, judges are entitled to their opinion. I'll take the evidence from the overwhelming evidence uh, from uh, 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 the scientific community. And the fact that we're out of step. 80% of the co- comparable countries have random breath testing.
1: Okay, I'm going to give the numbers out again 416 360 0740, toll free one eight six six 740 Do you think that random breath tests are a good idea? This after Canada came out on top as the country with the most alcohol-related motor vehicle deaths. Uh, Do you think this is the right way to stop it? And Patrick Metzler, there are some people who also are worried that if there was such a thing, it it could turn out like the carting issue where people would be uh, profiled or targeted. What do you make of that?
3: Well, I mean, there's always a potential for abuse with any type of power you provide the police. But It's really how it's administered and for what purposes. And the courts should and will be vigilant uh, to watch over the police conduct and that it's not abused and it's used for the specific purpose that's intended to be. Another point, if I can sort of dovetail into what Professor Solomon was saying about the cost, I believe the numbers, the charges that come into a courthouse, 17% approximately are impaired or drinking and driving charges. And at the end portion of the trial process, it's around 70 or 80% of all trials in the Ontario Court of Justice are drinking and driving offenses. Wow, really? And this morning I was in court, and the first date I could obtain for a refused breath test charge was April 6, 2017, the first date offered to me. So in terms of cost saving, the amount of costs in terms of court costs, police officers coming to court, judges, lawyers... uh, it's it's very high and uh, random breath testing. At least the studies I've read, and, uh, it, it does have the potential for reducing enforcement costs substantially.
1: Okay, let's uh, take a call from Sandra in Port Hope. Hi,
4: Sandra. Hello. How are Hi, you? Fine. How are you? I'm great. I'm listening to your uh, your recording there, and um, my suggestion would be that to eliminate the costs and resources of of doing all these different tests that um, the car manufacturers uh, should be made to have something in every vehicle they sell that can detect alcohol and the, the car won't start.
2: That's a,
1: th- a lot of people have been talking about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're,
2: they're, they're working on that right now. At trying to develop a system that is, uh, you know, in- incredibly accurate, and so there is a blue ribbon task force in the United States looking at exactly uh, uh, that kind of uh, that kind of technology, uh, and it's way beyond my understanding. Uh, I don't know exactly where they are and how far that is away. It'd be like a seat belt or airbags. It would be made mandatory. Mandatory.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there there. Are problems with it because uh, there would have to be a way that you couldn't get somebody else to breathe in and then you drive that that's one issue and then of course even as it gets rolled out I mean you know are they going to mandate that your car is going to get retrofitted with this if you don't have a new car uh, so I I agree I think that will eventually happen but I think it's probably quite a long way off okay we want
4: Well, I do know of someone that has been um, arrested for having an open bottle of liquor um, in the front seat of the vehicle. And um, the apparatus is installed in in the the car, but it's um, short-term. It's going to be removed by the end of this year. And um, I strongly object to that because this person is still drinking. Oh.
1: And that jeopardizes all our lives. Well, just a minute. Oh, that, that, that the thing will be removed or that it's there in the first place?
4: Uh, well, no, it, be, it had to be installed, but it's going to be removed by the end of the year.
3: I think it's only no, been no,
4: in please. there for like a year.
3: The, that's, that's a court-ordered penalty where yeah. the interlock device has to be implemented in the car for a year, and then after a year it can be removed. I believe mm-hmm. that's what you're speaking
4: about. And, yeah. and uh, okay, and Sandra th- is still drinking, so what's the point? Yeah, you thanks. Know? Thanks for your thanks for your call, Sandra. Okay, okay. Thank you. So, I enjoy your show.
1: Thank you very much. The tech, so, the technology
2: uh, being worked on is passive. In other words, you don't have to blow uh, at all, and it's either they're going to build it as the steering wheel so that the technology can detect blood alcohol level in your the fingertips, or a laser that's going to be pointed at the driver's mouth and apparently can analyze. But you know, I'll leave it to those who have better you know, better scientific, technical knowledge. So it's not a situation where you have to blow into anything.
1: Oh, and this this one is?
2: Uh, the, well, the, the current the interlock
3: one is, is, yeah, it's a, it's a mouthpiece uh, mechanism which is installed in the vehicle. Um, okay. What Professor Solomon's speaking of, it'd be much more passive. And one has to imagine if self-driving cars are here or almost here, this type of technology should be achievable and uh, workable very soon.
1: Uh, You would think so. Uh, And uh, there are people who also say that the whole driverless car thing will solve a lot of the problems. I mean, I don't know, will you be able to get into a car, a driverless car, if you've had a few? Uh,
3: Well, I was reading a a study where apparently Google self-driving cars have been in something like 47, 48 accidents. And all the accidents were caused by the human driver in the other uh, vehicle. So that may be another uh, guarantee for highway safety as well.
1: Okay. Uh, let's go to Mary Jane in Hamilton. Hi, Mary Jane. Hello, Libby. I love your show. Thank you. Uh, you you touched on the comment I was going to make, which I didn't hear, which is, you know, seatbelts became mandatory, so all cars have seatbelts. You need to have them on. I think they should equip all cars that you have to blow or something to drive it. Simple. Then all all issues resolved. Uh. That's what we're just talking about right and now. I called in and then everybody went to the uh, same idea I had. Okay, well, <laughs> you're just ahead of the curve then. Uh, so oh, it's... I agree.
3: I love your show and I'll let you go on.
1: Okay, thanks a lot. Bye now. Bye-bye. Uh, guys, do you think that, that having a system where you would have to blow, is that too intrusive?
2: I, I don't think it's politically uh, viable. They're requiring everyone to provide a breath sample and and have an interlock in their vehicle. Um, obviously, it would solve the problem, uh, and that's why Mad Canada has worked uh, with uh, organizations in the states to develop a passive technology that you won't have to blow, uh, etc. And so that's that that is uh, research is, is is ongoing. And so Mad Canada, if the technology is foolproof, uh, of course Mad Canada would support it. I just don't think it's politically uh, viable uh, to try to convince our political masters to put an alcohol interlock uh, in each and every car.
3: Yeah, especially with the cost. They're approximately 800 to to $1,000. Oh, wow. I didn't and, know that. And, yeah, they are quite expensive. And, you know, the average citizen, uh, I think as Professor Solomon, says that won't be politically viable or appealing uh, to, because a lot of people think, like, I don't drink and drive. Why do I have to pay an extra eight hundred or a thousand dollars? So, I think this new technology will be here relatively soon, and may save a lot of problems. Perhaps covered with uh, random breath testing as well.
1: Okay, uh, we've got to go. Uh, but uh, do you think that this random dre- breath testing is—is is it uh, going to happen, or uh, what do you think,
2: professor? Uh, well, uh, you know, thirty seconds. Well, we've been advocating this for about the last 25 years. <laughs> the, the spectacular fatalities involving numbers of young people and children, I think, have finally galvanized the public to introduce this technology, which the research indicates will save numerous lives. Okay.
3: And I, I think cases like the Muzo case recently, there's been a shift, I think, uh, in the public's mindset and the courts as well. And. I think the potential for this is a lot more uh, open now than it has been.
1: Okay. Gentlemen, thank you so much for that. Thank
3: Thank you, you. Libby. Thank you, Professor.
1: Okay. Bye-bye.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.